0: You're listening to the Sermon Cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon.
1: We are so blessed today that Pastor Jim Cottrell is here from Freedom House. Jim, we're just going to invite you to come and uh, share in the Word and speak to us today. And uh, give him another hand as we welcome him. Jesus, and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. What a great, great truth. So good to be with you. What a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, as they touched on... We've got uh, we've got the uh guys doing some stuff getting ready for this event. And so my amen corner is missing. So I talked to some folks and I just asked them, I implored them to be the amen corner. You know, if you got an amen corner, it really starts to warm things up for the preacher. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And uh I I just again, I want you to know how much I love Larry and Grace. I know you love them, and I, but I'll tell you what, what honor. Uh, just They're just rich in love and honoring people, and uh, I'd like to honor them today as they're going. I don't know, is there anything on uh, video, or do they do anything? I, I thought it interesting, the sister used the term resume, because you are zooming all the time, and resume seemed to be an appropriate uh, statement there. Glory to God. Father, I want to thank you. I pray your blessing today. I ask you to anoint our hearts, our minds. Just have your way today. Move up and down the aisles in our midst. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see and ears to hear because you have a real word for us today in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord, be glorified. Everything that's said and done, we thank you for it. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. This morning, I want to bring up a, uh, a question. I want to set a, the stage, if you will, for a most important question. And I think I've mentioned this because it's, it's uh, in my list, it's one of the top questions that we need to really address. Do you really want to be God's chosen people? Or do you just want to get out of Egypt? You know, there, there are many, many people who have come to church, I'm talking across the globe, for all kinds of reasons. The cry of the people of God in Egypt's bondage reached the ears and the heart of the Lord. And in the right time and season, he sent Moses to deliver. But so many, so many immediately start. In fact, I think of all the things they saw. Who can tell me some of the things that they experienced coming out of bondage? Who's got one? Thirst, yeah. And how did the Lord meet that? Split that great big huge rock. Have you seen that rock, by the way? I don't know if you go on, you can go on the web and you can see where they believe the real Mount Sinai is and in the valley below it you'll see this great big huge rock. I think it's almost three stories tall and it's split. And And the evidence is that there are the markings on the rocks because it's a big huge thing is that the water flowed up and out of it which in this dry land it was incredible. You look for it. You, uh, there are people that have discovered that. There's some great things that the Lord is confirming in His Word. But I digress. I want to stick with the subjects. What else did people see? How about somebody over here? Say it again. Yep, they brought treasures out of Egypt. You went from a... Zero to hero, you know, just a brief time. You come out with all the wealth of Egypt. That was pretty cool. Something else. Come on now, back here. Splitting. Anybody think that might be cool? Huh? You know, you got the armies of Pharaoh coming, the chariots, and they're just absolutely. All they wanted was Hebrew blood. They were just. They'd all. Many of them had lost the firstborn. So this was not this was not about just getting people back. They wanted to bring damage. And here are all the people crying out, and the Red Sea splits. Can you imagine that? Looking up here and seeing huge, huge fish. Sharks and everything else under there, you know? Wow, what an experience that would be. And then, of course, to see it absolutely swallow the enemies. One, how about one or two more? Come on now. It's pretty easy when you think about it. What did they eat? Oh, yeah. That's right. Angel food. Yeah. And one more. Their clothes didn't wear out. <laughs> that was before thrift stores, wasn't it? Amen. Do you really want to be God's chosen people? Or do you just want to get out of Egypt? Do you know how long it took them to start complaining? They get to the Red Sea. They get to the Red Sea. It opens up, swallows their enemies. They're absolutely rejoicing. How long before they carped and complained and murmured? Seventy-two hours. Seventy-two hours and things went south. What am I talking about here? The power of our flesh that only wants better circumstances fun and enjoyment. And and let's face it, I mean, there's a room and space for that in our lives. God is one who gave us humor. He has a sense of humor. I've heard him laugh before at me. Hello? I remember the first time I ever heard that when I was a young brother and I was in the church service and the pastor got up there and said, you know, I was praying and he says, he said, God laughed and I laughed. And that was the first time it was novel thought to me to think that God laughs. Oh, I believe he does. Amen. Three to five million, some scholars believe, that there were far more slaves than, than what often are recorded, but three to five million possibly were delivered from slavery and came out. This is typical of you and I coming out of sin's bondage. Our souls being set free. Amen? Very similar in type and shadow. And each of them, as well as each of us, have to answer that question. Do you really want to be God's chosen people, or do you just want to get out of Egypt? I would say they didn't do so well in their answers. Amen? They turned an 11-day journey into 40 years. That should speak to our lives. Hello? I Often tell the brothers, I say, when uh, and you know I got great freedom because the guys aren't here today and I can just really, it's kind of like having your family here and you can't talk about it. But the, these brothers, you know, I tell them, you're here at point A. Remember this, Bill, I know you remember it. You desire to get to point B. And the... Uh, Quickest and shortest way is what? Straight line, and that's obedience and faithfulness to the truth that you know. That's the best way to get there. That way you don't blow 40 years. It's chosen people wandering in the wilderness, distracted, and so we find they didn't do so well in answering that question. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10 declares you are a chosen generation. You are. Turn to your neighbor and say he's talking to you. A royal priesthood. Wow. Isn't that amazing? A holy nation. His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What a great position to think of yourself in. I'm just a schmo from Omaha. And God took me out of the streets, out of the middle of a drug deal. I've told you the testimony before. But he called me to be part of a chosen generation. He called you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, who were once not a people. Is that true? You'd look back in our lives, you know, and I say this to guys all the time. I said, there's no way on earth that a group of guys like you could be together in this environment, living together, you know, dorm setting, granted. But uh, I got to tell you, it's an amazing thing. The Moose Lodge didn't do that. The Elks Club didn't do that. Only Lord Jesus can take us from not being a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If there's any reason to shout and give God praise, it's because he was merciful. How many of you would like to get what you think is fair? No, thank you. The truth is, if we got what was fair, we wouldn't make it very far. It's His grace and mercy. Amen? Our Creator intentionally, and I want you to, in your mind, just circle that letter right there, intentionally chose and ordained both you and I to be a peculiar and a special people, zealous of good works. Now, I've got three mystery readers, because I don't have my guys with me today. I've got three mystery readers today. I think one is Carol. Is that right? Titus 2.14. Read loud. Thank you, Lord. Zealous of good works. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. He moved with intentionality. Now, if the Lord moves with intentionality, I believe we're to imitate our Lord. Is that right? Now, the term intentional, to be done deliberately. Now, I know this isn't rocket science, it's, but, it, but it, it really is something for us to chew on intentionality. It's the state of having or being formed by an intention. Does your intention form your motivation? Does it form your direction? Does it give you the high and lofty goals and the target that you aim at? You bet it does. The philosophy of intentionality is the property of being about or directed toward a subject. And we have the greatest subject to speak of, That's the king of glory, amen? Now, the church should be an organism, not just an organization. You've heard that before. Alive and nurturing, which operates as an intentional community. I like that word, community, amen? A small, localized, often rural community of persons or families pursuing common interests, And concentrating on certain basic values. And to me, the basic value of life is to be useful to my Lord. I look around and I find little is ever accomplished by casual Christianity. Casual Christians don't seem to accomplish very much. Amen? Here's another verse... John four thirty four, Strategically placed, you'll notice. <laughs> Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus is our example. He understood the Father's divine heart and purpose. And King James says his meat. Now, one thing I know about men... As most of us are carnivores. And all those wives who cook cook for them say, amen, amen. I'll tell you what, those guys at the Freedom House never met. I had one time, we did the big, big event, and I must have had four or five briskets. I don't know if you remember this, Bill. Four or five briskets that were left over. And we had them all sliced up and everything. And I came in after the weekend and I I said, where's the brisket? And I heard that afterwards they were, when we got back and everything over the weekend, they were like baby birds, just dropping the strips of brisket and consuming it. Incredible, incredible. But Jesus said, my meat is to do his will and finish his work. How many of you are looking for him to come? Yeah. Huh? We got three that are looking? Come on now. Oh, my Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. But you know what? There's work to do in order to bring about that day. He moved with a holy zeal. Another verse tells us the zeal of the Lord of hosts has eaten me up. Kind of like that brisket. Jesus moved with zeal. His meat was to do his will. And we find here that that has to transfer into your life and mine. We just got to do it. We, We can't let our culture... And its casual laissez faire attitude continue to take us in different directions. And that's the trick of the adversary, amen. Fill our minds with all kinds of foolishness. Proverbs seventeen, wisdom, seventeen twenty four yeah, twenty four. Wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding. If you have understanding, you're walking in wisdom. The rest of that proverb says, but the eyes of a fool are in the ends of the earth. Wise men aim at one thing, while fools are going in many different directions. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you about all of the distractions. You've got a remote that can give you 164 channels of pure viewing pleasure. You may have one of these smartphones that'll take you places you never imagined. I actually found myself watching a farrier, that's a guy that works on horses, cleaning uh, the hoof of a donkey this this week. And I said, what am I watching? Do I want to put 10 minutes into this? But if you're not careful, that stuff is distracting you and taking you places just to get you off task. Yeah. Jeremiah thirteen twenty three. Here's a question. Can an Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard his spots? Then may you also do good who are accustomed to doing evil. If you look at the nature of men and you evaluate it, it comes down to exactly what are you or they accustomed to. And we find in our history that we have had casual attitudes about life. I think of all the years and the time that the Lord has blessed me with and how much of it will actually end up being wasted. I can only imagine men standing uh, and, and, and women standing before the King of Glory and answering, what did you do with my son? What did you do uh, in the prayer life that you had and, and in the time and the word? And they said, well, I really didn't have that much time. Well, really, you had 16,841 hours And playing Grand Theft Auto or Halo or whatever the the games are now that are just, just taking people and absorbing all kinds of time. We all begin to live life within that framework of that carnal nature which we're accustomed to. Every one of us did. We had our time. Paul said uh, that uh, this uh, experience in time past should suffice us to have done the will of the Gentiles when we walked in it. But he called us out of darkness and into light. Every man that is born struggles through sin, tainted by Adam's nature, His transgression and then shaped in the iniquity that's all around us. By the way, iniquity is an interesting word. Bill Gothard one time gave a definition and it stuck with me for many years. I hope you'll write it down. Because it's one of those words that people think they know the answer or think they understand the definition. What is iniquity? Here's what he said. After studying it from Genesis to Maps. Iniquity. Me doing my own will, even when it seems right. Me doing my own will, even when it seems right. I think of decisions I've made in my past where it seemed right to do it, but I really didn't talk to the Lord. I really didn't ask Him for His wise counsel and divine direction. And I found myself. We almost ended up in a timeshare. You remember that? Oh, boy. And so we find every man that's born is in need of a Savior. A new spirit within and new goals. And to be frank, without the grace of God, which leads you and I to repentance, we couldn't have even come to repentance except the Spirit of God had drawn us. Isn't that amazing? That's the calling. That's the election. That's the peculiar people he called. There are so many out in the corner, old guys that I used to run with, and they are still out there playing the same foolish games, wondering what happened. And I think, Lord, by your grace, you called me out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Thank you, Jesus. It tells us here that without the grace which leads to repentance, we could easily be forever lost and stuck in that accustomed, comfortable, carnal nature that we ran with for so long. Thank God we have a new nature. Brother read Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. What a promise. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you, you your heart of stone and give you a heart of
0: flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be
1: careful to keep my laws. Thank you, brother. Thank God for a new spirit and a new heart. Is there an amen in the house? Thank God that he brought us through and provided that. Talk about a heart transplant. You know, that heart of stone was heavy. Nothing but heartache, nothing but sorrow, nothing but anxiety and worry and fret. I think of people today in this world that are absolutely just oppressed with the fear that has been stirred up in our culture. An oppression of fear that keeps their cold, stony hearts just locked up and anxious. I was over at the post office taking something in, and uh, and, and there's a gal behind me, and so I opened the door for her, and she goes, Sir, six feet! Six feet! I thought, give me a break. I was just trying to be nice. Ay. Thank you, Father. Now this 2 Timothy 1:8 through 10. I didn't select anyone to read that, but if somebody would grab that and you get it raise your hand. In the midst of it there is my one of my I would say my life verse. This is something that uh, has continuously continuously fed me. And that is 2 Timothy 1.9. Who's got it? Anybody? 2 Timothy 8 through 10. If you've got it, raise your hand. There, back there, sister. Stand and read loud. Immortality to life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. He, he didn't call you just because you're a people person. He didn't call you because you, you know, you, you excel in certain little talents and gifts. To be very frank, he called you not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us before time began. Now, if this divine purpose is before each one of us, even at the time of our birth, because it was given us before we were born, that's pretty amazing. He knew what you were going to be before you were a twinkle in your dad's eye. Then we really should be pressing in. And what seems to be missing from fulfilling this purpose and advancing his kingdom is that we really have to become intentional in our purposes. To be about our Father's business. To practice and pursue the divine purpose. To practice and pursue it. Becoming intentional. And taking aim daily at kingdom purpose. There are people that get up today and have no plan for the day. They don't know exactly what or how they're going to walk it out. And they want to just let it unfold and everything. That's casual Christianity. That's people who really are not focused. But if you start asking God for a particular ministry, whatever it may be, serving Serving in a special way, you're going to find out it's going to lift your spirit. And I notice that a lot of people wear their hair in here like I do. White. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? Amen. And, and in light of that, it's the ones that have it, and then the ones that don't, you just got sideburns that are bright white. The point I'm trying to make the point I'm trying to make is they'll bring forth fruit in old age. That's a great verse out of Psalms. They'll still be bearing fruit in old age. There's things that we can do to bless and to be a part. Yeah, but but PJ, that 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 sounds like work. Shocker. Philippians is a great book, a great read when you want to be encouraged in your purpose and become intentional. Listen to Paul here as he shares the 10 finger prayer. How many of you know the ten-fingered prayer? There we go, Leonard knows it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That affirms, it affirms my intention. And as we pray, God, I want to be an intentional believer. I want to be intentional in serving you. We should all solidly agree that this universal principle of the Word applies to any and every situation that the Lord may call us to. Oftentimes we look at it, and if it does look a little bit like work, maybe you need to be able to say... Uh, I need to be trained in, in, in how to do this. How to follow through. How to, how to step into it. Don't be afraid. The first step is always the hardest. It's always the hardest. But you know what? As you ask the Spirit to lead and to guide, you're going to start seeing fulfillment. Because the Holy Spirit is going to use you in a way that's going to surprise you. I can't tell you the number of times that I've walked away from a situation and by God's grace, the will of God was accomplished. And I look back, I was the most surprised. I like, isn't that true, Mike? There's so many times that you just absolutely look back and marvel and say, wow, God, you did that. I'm just the clay pot. You're the treasure. Thank you, Jesus. The old saying is, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So the real challenge within our world uh, is distractions, and we have to make a determination to be intentional in our pursuit. We need to change our focus and then begin to protect our very thought life, because intentionality calls upon me to keep my mind stayed on him and on what he has for us to accomplish. I listen to the Spirit, change my focus, and then remain on task, perhaps like Paul, we can say, this one thing I do. This one thing I do. I can tell you this right now up on Pill Hill. Everybody's familiar with Pill Hill, amen? Some of us have visited there before. But up there, there are people that are breathing their last. We've got just a few hours left. And I can't imagine anything more depressing, more agonizing than to be laying there and have the thoughts go through our mind of what we promised God we were going to do and what we were going to accomplish and how He was going to use us and what we would be doing with these gifts and talents and then to lay there and realize as the ventilator helping us breathe, slowly winds down that what we got in the bank and what we got in our land holdings and our estate mean nothing. It means nothing. I've got that little plaque. It was precious to me when I saw it. Old-time plaque. Been around a long time. But I saw it as a young guy in the early Jesus movement, and I just absolutely got just one life. It will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen? This one thing I do. Philippians three, thirteen to 4, 1. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Paul did some stuff. but He said, I'm not there yet. i still got gas. I've still got just a little bit of juice. I know that's hard to find sometimes. Come on now. There's an amen in the house. A little bit of juice, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, be stretching yourself to win. we got the Olympic trials going on right now, and you see people that are absolutely determined to make it to the finish line, amen? Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You and I are called to run and run to win. Amen? Most of you probably know that that was based on the Olympics of that day, where there would be slave runners who would uh, represent their particular uh, uh, ranch, or we would call it a ranch today, or a, uh, a huge farm, Because agricultural was all that it was about back then and so they, they ran and they represented their different masters and owners and communities and regions. But one would win the laurel prize and that was a laurel wreath. And that laurel wreath granted what? Your freedom. As a slave, if you won, you won your freedom. And they would put on that lower wreath. But you know what? The old saying, second best is first loser. Amen? And so we find. You gotta run to win. You gotta run and make that determination and press toward the goal. Therefore let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. Mature people are in the race. Mature people run to win. And if anything, you think otherwise. If you get distracted by all the craziness, God will reveal even this to you. He'll call you back to the path. He'll call you back. And I've had times where I had to do it. Really, In fact, it's been really intense uh, these last year, year and a half, where politics have dominated so much of the... Media and our thought life and all that. I finally, the Lord called me back. He said, look, stay focused on the task at hand. You know? And so we find as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree which we have already attained. And we've got some... Uh, seasoned saints in here who have accomplished things in in many many years but I got to tell you we're still going to be bearing fruit amen that's a good word it just makes me feel good how many of you remember Geritol <laughs> how many of you are still using now um, anyway yeah just a little bit of extra just to go the distance To the degree we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in fulfilling my example. Paul says, hey, I'm trying to leave an uh, an example and a legacy. Join in my example. What, What a message that he had such confidence that he could say, you follow me as I follow Christ. And note those who walk so... As you have us for a pattern. There are faithful examples around. Somebody here has been an influence to somebody else's life. I hope you all can look back. I think of a dear old saint, Granny Cook. Here I was, a hippie off the street. If, if I showed you the pictures of the early day, uh, it'd just blow your mind. I had hair way down to here and, and I've, I remember one time uh, when I was on staff over in Aloha that uh, I took it out for the adult Sunday school class, class and they Pastor Jim, they just couldn't believe like I had any kind of life before. You know, cause I was just a, a long hair, but pretty much a dope fiend when I came to Christ. I was so lost. And I get these early pictures, and I think about the the way that the Lord has nurtured and developed. But we all have that. And yet, He didn't just save us from, He saved us for. Amen? We want to walk with faithful examples. And Granny Cook, Granny Cook, here I am in this hippie church. We slept on the floor. It was... a. Are you ready we 'll just move the chairs and we 'll roll out sleeping bags. We had church every night. We were right off a of sunset strip in Hollywood. It was an amazing season and uh, and the, and the brothers would sleep there, and the sisters would sleep in a very celibate. It was very, very much the fear of the Lord, but i got to tell you you, you, you didn 't think you were big you know sacrificing or anything like that. You were into the call and the cause of Christ. And so there we are doing that. And this dear old saint came in. She uh, was 56 years old at that time. Coming in and just living and loving uh, the hippies who came to Jesus. And she was such an example. She'd been a prayer warrior for many, 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 many years. And that dear saint so left an impression on me. I can't tell you. She was instrumental in probably one of the biggest decisions in my life that brought us to the Northwest. Imagine my surprise years later when she called up and she had a relative. I had no idea she had a relative down in, I think it was in Junction City. And that she was in Portland and was... Able to come by my house. I just, we just ran out the door when they pulled up. It was just absolutely proud. I was thinking this morning, cause she had this, she had this weird, you know, the little Pentecostal bun back here, just tight. And, and, you know, because she smiled so much, see, you know, just precious. And the smile marks were all over her the little wrinkled face. I don't think she was that tall. But I'll tell you what, the love for God that she had so impressed my life that to this day I count her as one of the heroes of faith. And we all have them. You all have somebody who made an impact on your life. Can you think of them right now? Can you think of them? You didn't just fall into this thing, but you had somebody who was an example. Amen? Let me encourage your heart. Let me encourage you, you too, in your race are becoming examples to others. And Paul is encouraging us to consider that, to be that example, to be someone that leaves an impression faithfully. He says, For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping. Can you picture Paul? He's crying as he's writing this, because it so grieves his heart that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're distracted. They're fruitless. They're aimless. Whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly. Whose glory is in their shame. And they set their mind on earthly things. While Satan steals their potential. For our citizenship, your citizenship and mine is where? In heaven. It's not about being a Washingtonian or an Oregonian or some other end. From which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. We're waiting for our citizenship to be set and established. And we're looking for the same heavenly host to come one day. I'm looking for him, aren't you? In fact, with everything going on in Israel and everything going on with the economy and everything going on with the craziness, you just have to look at it and think, He is coming so very soon. So He's going to come and listen to what He's going to do. He will transform our lowly body. Oh, come on now. That's what we're shouting about. (laughs) Amen? I used to have a... A sticker on my computer, it said if after, it was a little cartoon type kind of thing, but it said if after the age of 50, you get up and nothing hurts, chances are good you died in the night. <laughs> he will transform our lowly bodies that it may be transformed or conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He's able even to subdue all things to Himself. Each of us, turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. Each of us can reach and fulfill the purpose which he has ordained if we will set our minds, intentionally set our minds. Yes, the distractions will come. Our adversary is intentional. Everything he does, he does to send a distraction and a smoke screen and a, uh, you know, alternate plan. How many of you have noticed that one of the biggest problems is letting the good take the place of the best? Mmm, two on that one. He's intentional, and he is certain to throw so much in our face to try to shake the mindset of, of the believer Jesus himself was tempted of Satan with the various temptations of grandeur and so forth and Jesus overcame each one by intentionally quoting the word of God the sword of the spirit and he resisted the devil and what's the promise if you resist the devil he shall flee if you don't resist him not so much He's going to hang around and make your life and your mindset, your thought life miserable. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate On these things rather than CNN. Meditate on these things and the things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Paul says the things you've heard, you've learned, you've seen in me, these do. Now here's the promise and the God of peace will be with you. You do these things, the peace of God will rule your heart and mind. The peace of God. And man, you can walk through the storms of life, the craziness and all that, and not be caught up in it because the peace of God rules your heart. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Henry Ford said it this way, you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. It's not about talk, but it's the practice. So do his will daily. Now here's a couple of thoughts to consider as you practice daily on your intentional focus and your pursuit. First of all, focus on doing good, not on feelings. That's been the big shell game, that that the enemy and our culture and our media and all that is doing right now is they want to move those shells around. Which one is most meaningful? And, and, and cause they're trying to get you to see it as feelings. And this whole, this whole thing has all switched to feelings now. And how many of you know feelings are fickle? Amen. They're very fickle. I I remember when I was half-loaded down in Austin, Texas, still in the military, and there I was. I met this young gal. (sighs) I loves you. I ended up in her barn that night in Bastrop, Texas. Nothing nothing happened immoral, but I woke up the next morning in this barn, and I didn't love her. Those feelings are fickle. They change. And that's a continuous thing that's going on. But our world wants us to be caught up and transfixed with what's feeling good and what, what you should feel and shouldn't feel and what emotions should be stirred in this and what emotion. Oh, man, I'm up to here with that stuff. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Fix yourself and focus on doing good, not on your feelings. Number two, focus on folks who help you. Focus on folks who help you, not on folks who hinder you. I've had some guys that when I hung around with them, I always got in deeper trouble and bigger headaches and bigger heartaches. Is that right? Is anybody else can say, yeah, I've had a few of them? Focus on the folks that help you, not on the folks that hinder you. And third, focus on progress. Now, this is important. Not on perfection. Focus on progress. If you make a little progress today. I live in a world of projects. In fact, I've told people I live in the projects because there's always something going on at Freedom House and something that we're doing or fixing or something. We had with the heat wave here, we just had two ACs go out, one in the chapel and one in the dining hall, and we're just spinning. It was so hot. But thank you, Lord. We're going to get those fixed, and there'll be other projects right on the heels of that. It just does. It just comes. But I got to tell you, when you focus on progress, some days you get one step forward and two steps back. Anybody? Amen. You had that happen? And you just sit there and go, boy, what, I, what did I... Man, I just blew a day. And we feel like that. But let, yet you look at it and you say, well, I did make some progress in this little area or that little area. Make fo- your focus on proce- progress, not on perfection. Proverbs nineteen twenty one: there are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless... The counsel of the Lord, that will stand. Let his counsel draw you closer. As I close, I want to come back to that most important question that we began our time together with today. Do you really want to be God's chosen people? Or do you just want to get out of Egypt? As chosen vessels, elect of God and precious, become intentional in your practice and the doings for the kingdom and fulfill His great purpose in your life. Every choice has consequences. I deal with guys that come in with the most horrific consequences... I'm going to close with this thought. Spencer's not here with us today, but Spencer uh, is 25 years old. Someone reached him. He was actually over by a church in the area over here, and then there was a field next to the church, and he was out there sleeping, half-loaded, in the rain. And this fellow reached out to him, and he ended up at Freedom House, and he has gone all the way through. He's done very, very well. But he had so many consequences. Consequences from all the stupid choices and the things that have happened. He'd been in court several times, been in jail, you know. And his life was just jacked. Now, right now... He's got, uh, he's, he completed successfully. He took some added time for leadership. And now we're talking about going to a, a place where I, I serve on the board of a, a place that we really appreciate down in New Mexico. It's called the 10th Hour Project, where he, for about eight months, will be able to involve himself in outreach. They take an outreach to the streets in uh, the East Coast and then they come over to the West Coast. And once they get that done, plus their regular training to, be, to really become effective with the Word, then they send them over to Uganda and they serve in missions for three months. How many of you think that'd be a great eight-month investment for a young man, 25 years old, amen? Coming all the way from that. But his dad said, you can't do that. You will never get a passport. Your felony convictions are going to keep you from that. You just quit thinking about that. It's not going to happen. First thing that happened is that he had a probation issue, and it was totally dropped once he graduated. Months and months and months ahead. Thank you, Jesus. Then his two felonies, we got a letter after his dad said that, maybe 2 weeks. I don't even think it was that long. He's praying about it and his uh district uh, or his public defender uh, attorney guy uh, Gal called up and said uh we have a letter here the judge just released you from your felonies. Completely. Completely. It would have taken many years for him to get that expunged if he had gone through the process. I'm telling you, God can work miracles in our lives if we will be intentional in our focus. If we will begin to really give ourselves the plan and purpose uh, in, in the days we have left. In the time we have left. He is coming soon and I sure don't want to stand before Him empty handed. So every choice has consequences. Choose to live intentionally. Every choice, every day. And finally, Philippians 1, 6, and 7, being confident of this very thing, confident that he who has begun a good work in you, if that applies to you, raise your hand, if he's begun a good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. What comfort. Amen. Amen. I don't know if we've got anybody here that wants to know Jesus. Or has yet to give your heart to the Lord. But if you have. I hope after this service you'll come up and you and I can talk. Because I would love to introduce you to my Savior. Love to make him known to you. And that you could see a life transforming work. A new heart and a new spirit. You can take that other thing, that stony heart, that one that's so heavy on your life, and you can drop it at the altar. It'll probably make a big thunk. Where is it? Just knocked my water off. You can drop that stony heart and walk away with a new heart and a new spirit. God promised it, and He has never broken a promise. The other thing is, perhaps you find yourself sitting and saying, Lord, I I think I need to respond. Because I've been kind of cash in my approach. I've been a little tired, a little worn, a little weary, but you're coming soon and I want to be about my father's business. I want your meat to feed my life so I can do your will. I want to be involved. I want to be a part. If that speaks to you, I'd love to pray with you as well. We're about out of time today, but I hope that you have, this 4th of July, heard something in the spirit that ministered to your life. And I hope that the the future will be far better, not only in your life, but in the lives of those that you inspire and touch and how you will become a faithful example of the believers. Amen? Amen. Thank you. As we get ready to pray, the altars are open. I just hope that you listening may feel the tender, soft nudge of the Spirit that says, this is your time. We'd be happy to pray together. Father, it's a little different type of message. But I believe that the word of the Lord has had free course here today. I believe that it's touched lives that you wanted to touch. I believe that it's spoken into the spirit of those who are here. And now I ask you, Lord, to do your work in the hearts, and in the lives. And that the kingdom of God will advance because what you accomplished here, stirring our hearts, remembering the divine purpose, the promises we've made, and the purpose that's out there that you gave us before time began. Thank you, Father. Have your way. We love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.